delighted to be here this morning. Uh, shall we appreciate the band? Didn't they do well this morning? That's so great. Thank you for that. Really good. Hey, I picked a good Sunday to be here. Apparently, there's cakes at the back. So uh, if, this is, uh, if this is how we do church, then I'm here every week. It's, uh, it's a good thing. Um, just grateful for the opportunity to be here. Stuart, thank you. Thank you for uh, your leadership and your life. Um, I'm, I'm sure you guys know uh, Stuart and Judith and the family here. Uh, but you may not know the extent to which these guys are such a blessing, not just to this church, but to churches around, uh, in not just in this area, but in this country. And, uh, and the Bible says that in Ephesians 4, that pastors, first of all, are not people who have positions that pastors, first of all, are uh, are gifts that God has given to the church. And so uh, how we honor a gift is how we honor the giver of that gift. And so I just want to honor Stuart and uh, Judith and say thank you for your life and leadership. The way you've modeled it to me uh, has just been fantastic. Um, I am in church, so I'm going to confess there's one thing I don't like about Stuart. This guy never puts on any weight. Like, <laughs> it's just been the same every time I've seen him. I can drink water and put on weights, but... Not Stuart, so uh, God is gracious and fair, but just not in this case, so, so just, it's, it is good to be here. Hey, listen, I want to just uh, read from a bit in the Bible from John chapter 4, so if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. If not, it's hopefully going to come up on the screen behind me, but before that, maybe just uh, uh, Giles coming, was it Giles coming up and just sharing about the power of sharing our story? So maybe I'll just tell you a little bit about me and my story and then we'll get into John chapter 4 and then I just want to unpack some things from the Bible for us. So I was born in Nigeria, my parents were both working there at the time and uh, when I was a baby I, um, I, I got really ill and I had three deadly diseases all at the same time. My parents lived at that time in a very rural part of Nigeria and the nearest hospital was 150 kilometers away. And so um, they, they obviously went through a lot trying to tr get treatment for me. And uh, long story short, the, the doctor said, listen, there's nothing we can do. Take the baby home. Uh, we'd rather that the baby died home than in the hospital because there's nothing we can do. So they did. They took me home and they thought, well, you know, we need to make arrangements for the funeral and whatever. You had stopped eating, stopped drinking. The pupils in my eyelids and uh, my eyes had started to flick backwards. I started to turn blue. And, and my mom and dad, who were both believers in Jesus, thought, well, this is it. But they prayed and prayed and cried and God, that God would do somehow do a miracle. And uh, they came back about half an hour just to check on me because they thought this was the end. And I was breathing. So they rushed me back to the hospital and uh, showed me to the doctor uh, who... Um, who was, who was born and raised a Buddhist, but he was an atheist, so he didn't have any faith of any kind at that time. And, uh, and uh, he looked at my parents and said, well, I have never seen anything like this in all of my medical experience. And then he looked at my parents and added these words. He said, only your God could have done it. Only your God could have done it. And I want to say, every time we come here at church, to church like this, and we gather together, the Bible says we're two or three. It doesn't need all of us. If just two or three people will agree on the fact that we are here because of Jesus, like Stuart said earlier, it's all about Him, then He is here. And any time He's here, anything can happen. Absolutely anything can happen. And it doesn't matter who says what and what experts have said over your life, over my life, over the life of this church, the truth is that God ultimately has the final word. And, uh, and that is so encouraging 
to know. And, and, and as we just come to this part of our Sunday morning where we unpack the Bible and speak from God's Word, that is what can happen to your life and my life. And uh, every time God speaks, I believe He is not just communicating, I believe He is also creating something in our lives. And, I, and I'm, I'm positive that that is what is going to happen today. So before I read from John 4, will you just pray with me for a moment, just ask that God will speak to your hearts today personally because I believe He can do that and create something that is very special in your life. Father God, we are so grateful for this morning and we thank you that we have an opportunity to come here like this. We pray you will speak with purpose, you will speak with clarity, you will speak with precision, you will speak with power and that our hearts and lives will never be the same again. And we pray you will do something incredible in our lives, in the life of this church. Thank you for all that you have been doing, for the exciting things we've been hearing about your stories, working out in the lives of your people here. Lord, we're so excited about that. We pray you will do even more. And we pray you will give England all the help they need at 1 o'clock. In Jesus' name, amen. Fantastic. Hey, listen, John chapter 4, starting from verse 5. Let's read this. This is what it says. So he, he, he in the story is referring to Jesus. So Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground, uh, ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Uh, keep going, next verse. Uh, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And uh, next verse. Uh, so his disciples had gone uh, into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Let's pause there on verse 10, please, if we can. Jesus says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that was asking you or who it was that was speaking to you, then you would have asked him. Um, could we go back to verse 10, have verse 10 up on the screen? That'll be great. So this is Jesus' answer to her. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. It's an interesting story. Jesus is tired and he's sort of like by the well. Uh, back in the day, they used to go to the well to get water for their house because there wasn't running water in the house. And so Jesus is quite tired. He's sitting there. He strikes up this conversation with a woman and says, hey, can I have a drink? And she's like quite confused because back in the day, these two races didn't mix. Jews and Samaritans didn't even talk to each other. So she's quite confused and said, hey, how, how come you're talking to me? Why is it that you're asking me for a drink? And they, they go on this conversation and Jesus says to her, listen, if you knew the gifts of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, then you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus is in a, in a sense saying, if you knew who I was, and if you knew the kind of gifts I carried, you'd be asking me for a drink, not me asking you for a drink. And do you know what? Sometimes as followers of Jesus Christ, sometimes the reason that we don't have boldness 
before God, the boldness to, to come to God, boldness to ask Jesus for a drink, boldness to ask God for anything, is because I am convinced we have no idea how generous He is, the kind of gifts He carries, and what His character and nature is. Because if you knew His character, if you knew who He was, and if you knew what gift He carried, then all of us would be doing a lot more asking. Can I just encourage you this morning? God is better than you think. His character is more faithful than you can ever imagine. He is more consistent than you will ever believe. His faithfulness towards you and I does not depend on my faithfulness towards Him. He does not treat me the way I treat Him. He is a good God and He comes bearing gifts. And if we just knew that, then we'd be doing a lot more asking. How would you react to somebody if you knew that they came bearing gifts and the, and the reason they gave those gifts had got nothing to do with you but everything to do with their character because they just love giving. And Jesus has this conversation with this woman and he says, look, if only you knew this. And I was praying and preparing and I've been praying for a long time for this church and I've got a team of people praying for this church because that's just my practice, what I do when I go somewhere. And I really feel that one of the things that God's just going to do in the life of the church in the coming months is just raise the expectation of followers of Jesus Christ to trust the fact that God is good and he comes bearing gifts, and we will just have the confidence to ask him to do amazing things in our lives. I'm convinced of that. So he has this conversation and says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, let's, uh, let's go to the next verse, verse 11. So this is Jesus saying, and this is the woman's response. She says, sir, the woman said, you've got nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? You see, this is my problem most of the time. Because every time God comes and says, I'm going to do an amazing thing. I'm going to do great things. You're going to have a great life. Your future is bright. You have no idea how good I am. I go, well, how's that going to happen then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doubting you. That's a cool story. Just, but just break it down for me. How am I going to get there? Because... That's all of our response because we get to hear about this amazing God. It says, hey, listen, if you just knew the gift of God, if you knew what I was like, then you would have asked me. And she goes, yeah, but you've got nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where are you going to get this water then? And you know, sometimes, especially in the society that we live, especially young people, if you're in school today or university, uh, just the pressure to prove that this good news that we've got, this good story that we've got, this good God that we've got, when people ask you questions like, that's great, but break it down for me. How am I, gonna have, how, how am I going to experience this? How, how is it that God is going to do this in my life? Because I can give you more than enough reasons to say that even though that's a good story, it's never going to happen to me. Isn't it, isn't it funny how we can believe that good things will happen to other people, never to us? Because sometimes church can be a depressing place because we get up here and we hear stories. Hey, listen, oh, I just want to thank God. Amazing. Because like last week I lost my job and then somebody just came and offered me a job. I didn't even apply for one. And you're sitting there going, but I've been applying one for six months and I haven't found any. So what, what is going on? 
Because sometimes we can believe that God is good to other people, but never good to us. And I really want to say for some of you here who are doubting the goodness of God and the kindness of God in your life, God is going to show you and convince you that not only is He good, but help you experience His goodness. Because it's one thing to have the knowledge of His goodness. It's another thing to experience the fact that God is good to you. I want to ask you that question today. Do you believe God is good to you, to your marriage, to your finances, to your health, to your work. Are you confident that God is good to you? Hey, listen, Stuart gave me the permission to do this. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and just uh, speak some specific words over people while I'm doing this. So if you bear with me while I do that, uh, can I just talk to the lady with sort of like the brown top? Uh, yes, yeah, that's you. I just want to say to you, um, God is going to convince you that He is good. Uh, and even though you, um, you know He is good, and even though you know uh, all of the goodness and the gift of God, perhaps one of the things, the challenges for you has maybe been, well, great, but how is that going to practically apply in my life? I know that theory is true, but sometimes I don't feel Him, and sometimes I don't see Him working that out in my life. And I really feel God wants you to know today He is not only good, but He is going to prove to you that He is good to you very personally and help you navigate this theory that you have of God being good, but make your faith incredibly personal so that on a very daily, practical basis, you can enjoy the Father's kindness and the Father's goodness. And I feel all of the mental block that you may have had to say, okay, I believe that, but help me, help me make that practical for my life. I really feel God and His Holy Spirit wants to do that for your life. Is that okay? I really feel that. So, um, and... Uh, and, and so Jesus has this conversation, and she brings up all of these objections. And, uh, and look, at what, look at what Jesus replies. Look at verse 12. This is what it says. Um, Are you greater than our father Jacob? So she's got more objections who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Look at Jesus' reply. Verse 13. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to, to eternal life. Um, have you ever met a person that you're talking to, but they can never get to the point? Like, it really irritates me. Because you're just waiting there going, right, yes, okay. And, and five minutes later, you still don't know what the point is. They just... You know, like don't, if, the, if that person sitting next to you, don't look there. Just, just laugh. It's fine. Because this woman asks a list of questions. Question number one, where are you going to get the water from? Question number two, the well is deep. Question number three, you've got nothing to draw with. Question number four, are you claiming to be greater than Jacob who gave us this well? And him and his cattle and his sheep, they all drank from the... How are you going to do this? And Jesus replies and says, if you drink this water, you'll never thirst again. Jesus, that's great, but that wasn't my question. Like, that really wasn't my question. My question is, how are you going to get this to me? You see, God's strategy to convince you out of your pragmatism, which is a block 
blockage to your faith sometimes is not to give you practical answers on how it's going to happen. He's just going to tease you with more of his goodness. Because he just whets her appetite even more. He says, I'm, only, I'm not only going to give you living water, but I just want to tell you, if you drink this water, you're never going to be thirsty again. So she raises all of these objections, and God doesn't say, okay, sit down. I'm just going to give you a class on how I am going to just answer all of your questions. Question number one, this is the answer. Question number two, this is the answer. Question number three, she just, he just goes, hey, listen, listen, if you drink this water, you are never going to thirst again. And if you drink this water, this water is going to become a spring inside of you, and it will become a spring of water to welling up to eternal life and it's amazing because God is so crazy good that even though we've got unbelief and we've got baggage and we've got questions and we've got objections and we've got all sorts of things that we can put in the way to experience to to to, to block him from having his goodness come to us God continues to pour out his goodness and kindness and grace until he breaks all of our walls down through kindness and not through anger what a good God in fact, the Bible says it this way. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So if God ever wants to get in, change your life, His way is kindness. His way is grace. His way is faithfulness. He doesn't beat you with a stick on your head and say, Oh, you are so stupid. You should have got this by now. No. He just gives you more kindness so that every wall breaks down. As I was praying for this church just over the last few weeks, I really feel there are some walls going to come down that, are, that have been built up in people's lives, uh, not really on purpose, but just because of the place where people have been at, where, where maybe it's, it's, it's hindered you from receiving His Spirit, receiving His kindness, receiving His salvation, making a step maybe to get baptized in water, maybe just taking a step out to, to give to this church and to be plugged in. And there's sorts of, all sorts of walls, walls that are that have existed because of your upbringing, who your parents were and who they were not and what your schooling was like, your previous experience of church. But I want to say to you, I really feel what God is going to do with this church in the next coming months is he's going to break a few walls down with his kindness so you can experience how good God is. So he says, if you, if you taste this water, you're never going to be thirsty again. You see, um, earlier on, Stuart helped me and brought me, uh, brought me um, a bottle of water. And on that bottle, it, you know, if, if, you look at, if you look at any sort of bottled water, really, it, it kind of says on it what spring it came from. Because uh, said, you know, oh, here's one. So let, let me use this. I don't know whose bottle this is because I'm just going to nick it for a minute. So um, it says here, yeah, bottled at the springs of Harrogate for the first time, apparently in 1571. So there you go. <laughs> Spring water since 1571. Um, which makes sense because a drink usually comes from a spring. But what Jesus says is that it's not that a drink comes from a spring. He says, the drink will become a spring. I, I can get how we can get some water to drink from a spring. But I don't quite understand how if I have a drink, 
then all of a sudden the drink in me becomes a spring. Jesus says, if I give you water, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You see, in the natural Harrogate Water, Harrogate Water Company or whatever they're called, they can get, they can get a drink from a spring. But the goodness of God is so outrageous that he can produce a spring from a drink. I wonder whether some of you are here today and you're putting up barriers to the goodness of God saying, well, the problem with me is not that I don't experience God and experience his goodness. The issue with me has been this, that I have good moments when I have a drink. I have bad moments when God's not there anymore. So if you ask me how I'm doing, well, there are weeks I'm great, there are weeks I'm not good. My Mondays are fantastic, my Tuesdays are dull, my Wednesdays. Is it just me or have some of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, you've just discovered that your life is just up and down and up and down and you just wish that somehow there will be some sort of consistency in your passion for God, in your love for Jesus, in your experience of knowing Him. Well, this is good news to us this morning because the Bible says, and Jesus says, if you will drink of the water that he gives, then that not only becomes a thirst-quenching solution for a moment, but that somehow in you becomes a spring so that for the rest of your life, you can know and experience the fact that you don't have to keep chasing other drinks, but you have in you a spring that will last forever. Isn't that good? I tell you what, sometimes you see, we try and solve the, solve the wrong problem. We say, God, you know, I, I'm addicted to sin. I'm addicted to pornography. I'm addicted to drink. I'm, I've got lots of hidden, uh, di- hidden issues. I've got, I've got things that I'm battling with. I just wish that you'd just take away, I just wish that you would take away my, my thirst for it and my desire for it. And I, and I just wish you could help me to somehow just deal with all of that. What if God's plan is not to take away those thirsts from your life? What's, what if God's plan is just to give you so much living water that you will never thirst again? That he gives you the real deal inside and that that drink just doesn't just satisfy you for a moment, but that drink becomes such a big spring that your life is filled with the joy and compassion and life and strength and power of God that for the rest of your life you've got a spring in you I really feel that that's what God wants for this church moving forward so it's just a great great illustration that Jesus gives so they continue to have this conversation keep going look at verse 15 The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back. He told her, go call your husband and come back. Verse 17, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. Verse 18, the fact is you have had five husbands and the man you have now, you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. So this lady has had five marriages, five divorces, and he's, she's now with a bloke, and they're not married. They're just together. Now, imagine with me, because I don't know what this woman's name is. Imagine with me that uh, you are her friend. You know her, and uh, you've known her a long time. So one day, hey, you get a message. Hey, listen, I'm dating Fred. Seems like a good guy, you know? And uh, 
Yeah, sooner or later, you get like a, a wedding invite through the post, and you're marrying Fred. And before you know it, your Facebook status has gone to it's complicated, and then they're done. So Fred's out of the picture. And uh, after a while, Ted comes along. And so now she's with Ted. And you get the wedding invite through the post. Hey, I'm marrying Ted. And after a while, Ted's over. And then there's Ed. And there's Ned. And there's Jed. And then by the time you are aware of the fifth divorce, you're just like, man, you have issues. <laughs> you know, I'm your friend and everything. But I've just got to tell you, you you've got issues. And, um, and now she's with this man number six. And Jesus says to her, listen, you've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. So Jesus is saying, that's fine. And she goes, oh, I see you're a prophet. I, I see you know everything about me. And, and they, they keep having this conversation over and over again, and the conversation gets back into worship and and and. Eventually, if we, if we jump to verse 25, the conversation comes to this point where, where Jesus, um, the woman realizes, says, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Um, next verse, verse 26. And Jesus declared, I am I the one speaking to you. I am he. So, so, so she discovers that this is Jesus this is Jesus. So look at verse 29. Verse 29. She goes back. Um, see, she goes back to her village and says, Come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? So I'm going to ask you an honest question. We're in church this morning. So no lies. Uh, you've got to be honest. So imagine you're a friend and uh, you've been to Fred's wedding and Ted's wedding and Ed's wedding and Ned's wedding and Jed's wedding. You've also seen all of the divorces that have happened. She's now with man number six and she comes back to you and says, come, I've just met a man. What are you thinking? Honestly, tell me. Yeah, that, that's, that's what I'd be thinking, number seven. She goes, come, see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. I'd be going, here we go again. Listen, I told you you've got issues. You need to sort this. Do you know what happens? The Bible says the entire town goes out to hear this man. That shouldn't happen. The entire town should go, ah, oh, yeah, another man. But the entire town came and made their way towards Jesus. See, the goodness of God is so true and so real and so practical and so effective. And no matter what your story is, once you're filled with the real deal, you can stand with confidence in front of anybody, no matter what your past has been. Even if they know your story, they know you where you're from, and they've seen you do things that you're not proud of. The goodness and the spirit of God, the love of God, restores a dignity and a confidence to you. They'll make you stand before anybody and say anything. And I want to say to you as a church, as Tunbridge Wells Christian Fellowship, as I was praying, I really feel one of the things that God will particularly grace this church with is the confidence to share your story. 
the confidence to be bold about your story, not because it's perfect, not because it doesn't have brokenness in it, not because it doesn't have pain in it, not because it's perfect, but there will be something so authentic about what Jesus has done in you that you will have such confidence to talk about what Jesus has done for you. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just use the good bits of your life, but God uses the pain, the brokenness, the mistakes, everything that you're proud of, everything that you're not proud of, everything that you put on Facebook and you want everyone to see and the things you hide. There is no, there's not a single thing in any of our lives that God is going, oops, that was a mistake. I wonder why you did that. God is able to somehow in his kindness and goodness weave together every fabric of every bit of your story and still use it as a force for good, not just for you, but for the people around you. That's a good God. That is a good God. And I really feel that as uh, we as a church here have been on this thing uh, last week when we spoke about uh, the Holy Spirit and and, and the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I really feel that the Holy Spirit comes bearing gifts. And so there are gifts of healing and there are gifts of prophecy and the gifts of words of knowledge. And there, there are several gifts that the Holy Spirit comes with. But according to the Bible, the Holy Spirit's primary purpose is that it is a spirit of adoption. It's the spirit that convinces you. It's the spirit that convinces your spirit that you are a child of God. It's the spirit that convinces you that you are loved more than you will ever know. It's the spirit that convinces you that your guilt and your shame is gone. It's the spirit that convinces you that your story matters. It's the spirit that convinces you that you don't have to be perfect because God's perfection will work in your imperfection. And when the two get to together, God can do something radical with your life that will not just bless you, but bless the community around you. You see, the mystery about what Jesus has done is that 2,000 years ago, God so loved this entire planet that His Son came and died a horrible death in your place, in my place, and and, and the mystery behind the cross of Jesus Christ, maybe you are a follower of Jesus Christ here, and I want to, with all humility, challenge you this morning. Do you live in the reality of what Jesus has really done for you? You see, sometimes, um, sometimes we think that all the cross of Jesus Christ, all that Jesus has done for us is that because of the cross, He has forgiven us. And let me give you an example. Sometimes it's like, uh, imagine you're, you're caught speeding, you're driving your car, you're doing a 40 in a 30-mile area, and uh, a police officer pulls you over and says, uh, listen, we just got you speeding. You were meant to be doing 30. Um, the, re- the reading says you've been doing 40. And you say, I'm, I'm really sorry. Please, uh, please, I'll never do this again. Please forgive me. Just let me off because I, I cannot bear to have more points on my license and, and p- pay more fines. Please, please, please. So you beg you beg the police officer for forgiveness, and the police officer looks at you and says, listen, one last time, the last warning, don't ever do this again. I'm going to let you off. This is the last warning. Do you know what you do? You drive away knowing you're forgiven, but you drive away feeling this small. And for a lot of people who are followers of Jesus Christ, that's how your relationship with God is. It's just one long apology. 
You wake up every single morning and say, oops, I did it again. I'm so sorry. I'll never do this again. And I'll be better next week. And I'll be better next month. And we make New Year's resolutions. And we make a million resolutions to say, God, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. And that is true that God forgives. But according to the Bible in the book of Corinthians, this is what it says, that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, God is not just wanting to forgive you. He wants to make you his righteousness, meaning when he looks at you, he's not looking at the speed you were doing, at the mistakes that are on your life, at the record that stands against you. He is looking at Jesus and and, and crediting to you the righteousness that is on him. So you stand before God, not as somebody who is forgiven and feeling sheepish and this small. You stand with the confidence that God looks at you the way he looks at his son Jesus. So that you walk knowing that you are his righteousness. You walk knowing that you are his son. On the way to Stewart's house yesterday, I caught a taxi and uh, someone who is um, from an Islamic faith picked me up and we started having a conversation. And uh, he, he said, he said, I've read the Bible, he said, and he was quoting scriptures from left, right, and center. He said, what I love about what is in the Bible, he says, when you do the Lord's Prayer, you're not saying, Jesus is Father who art in heaven. You're saying, our Father who art in heaven. And this was coming from somebody who is not a follower of Jesus Christ. And I sat there thinking, my goodness, I've been to Bible college, and I've got a master's degree in theology, but that is mind-blowing. The fact that he realized that he could call God, Dad, our Father, our Father. And by the time I got to Stuart's house, I said, can I pray for you? And we held hands and we prayed together. And, and I just want to say, could it be possible that your life matters so much to God that this could be your story too? That this town, your your workplace, your school, your university, your family, your community, your neighborhood could perhaps and come, your, come and hear your story. Not, not a perfect story, not, not a story where you've got lots of biblical knowledge and you're proving to everybody how much knowledge you have, but the story of what God has done in your life, the fact that He's been good to you, kind to you, and the fact that you drank of the eternal living water that it was giving you, and it somehow become a spring. Could it be that God wants to give every person in this church the God kind of confidence just to say to your community, God is good. And he's been good to me. That's all I know. And I just want to talk about it. I promise you, if you will do that, God wants to do so much more with this church where men and women, boys and girls, old and young, rich and power, rich and poor will encounter the goodness that you and I have encountered so that they too will have a story to tell. I believe that's your future. I do. I do. So they come out of all of their towns and they hear Jesus and, uh, and, the, and the disciples who are with him are a bit confused. And Jesus has this conversation. And he says, do not save us, 35, four more months, and then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. Look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. And I really feel, Stuart, this is like the prophetic word for the church. The time is now. Everything's ready. 
it, it will not be more ripe than it is now because you have a golden opportunity right in front of you. This is the time. It doesn't need a perfect story. It doesn't need a story that doesn't have brokenness in it. It just needs a story that has the goodness of God in it. And as long as the goodness of God is on your story, the time is now. The time is right. God wants to do something amazing things, some amazing things in you and among you. Look at verse 39. Verse 39. It says this. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him. Because of the woman's testimony, he told me everything I've ever done. Hey, hold on a minute. Jesus didn't tell her everything she'd ever done. Jesus said, hey, listen, you've just had five husbands. That's all, she, that's all he said. But she went and testified and said, listen, Come and meet a man that's told me everything I've ever done. How is it that somebody got converted because somebody just stood up and said, he told me everything I have ever done? That's eight words. Eight words. She didn't preach a message. She didn't have a sermon. She didn't have Bible notes. She didn't come and perform signs and wonders and miracles she just shared a simple story of where she was at and it affected somebody's life. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony and he said, he told me everything I've ever done. Look at what happens in verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed Two more days. Look at verse 41. And because of his words, many more became believers. Verse 42. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. What a story. What a story. An entire town gets wrecked by the goodness of God. Through somebody who's got divorced five times. Well, if God can do that with her life, he can do that with anybody's life. There's not a single person here that can rule yourself out, come up with excuses and reasons and say, God can't use me. God can't love me. God can't be kind to me because I've got a hundred reasons why it will not happen. But I want to say to you, God will break those walls down with his kindness and prove to you that he is a good God and he's better than you will ever imagine and he is better than you have ever imagined. And the Holy Spirit will come and give you the boldness just to maybe step up and say, hey, he's been good to me. Come and, tell, come and see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. Maybe that's all you can do, but I'll tell you, in the hands of God, that's enough. Will you bow your heads with me for a moment, just for a matter of concentration and privacy? Is it possible I could have the person who was on the keys to come back, maybe, and just give me a bit of music in the background? I've got five minutes, and I just want to lead us in some prayer, uh, and uh, it'll be great if you can pray too. And, uh, and it's, you don't have to close your eyes. It's, there's no magic in it. It just helps you concentrate sometimes. So if you don't want to do that, and if you're visiting here for the first time, and you're wondering what this is about, you don't have to. Sometimes when we pray, we just close our eyes because it helps us concentrate, and, and that's what we do. Hey, I just want to ask you here, 
uh, you're here this morning, maybe just play something in the background for me. That will be great. Uh, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you don't know who he is, and you, you heard today about the kindness of a God that is able to reach you where you're at and make this real to you, I want to give an opportunity before I finish for you to say yes to the wonderful love of Jesus. Jesus loves you. He died in your place. He shed his blood. They nailed his hands, nailed his feet, pierced his side. They whipped his back, put a crown of thorns on his head, stripped him naked, pulled, him be- pulled his beard. And the Bible says he didn't even resemble a human being. His body was broken for you. His blood was shed for you. And today, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you will can have an opportunity to make the most important decision you will ever make, and that is to say yes to Jesus. If you are here and you've never done that, or perhaps you have done that in the past, but you know you've had a season where you've walked away from God and you want to say yes to Him one more time this morning, I would love to pray for you. If that's you, wherever you are, all I'll ask you to do is just put your hands up and put it down so I can see you. Is there anyone? Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Anyone else? Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you very much. God bless you. Anyone else? Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you. I see that hand. I see the other hand too. Thank you very much. Anyone? Thank you. God bless you. Anyone else? Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Anyone want to say, I want to give my life to Jesus? Anyone? Thank you. There's no shame in this. There's no condemnation. There's no pressure. And because we're all family here, we want to take a moment to pray together. And we want to encourage people who are perhaps praying this for the first time or praying this for the second or third time because they want to make a rededication of their life to Jesus. So we're going to pray this prayer together, even if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, just to encourage everybody. So repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you that you are kind to me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you that you rose again from the dead. I give you my life. Come into my heart. Make my life beautiful. Through the story that you will tell through me. In Jesus' name. Amen. For a moment, keep your heads bowed for a moment of concentration, privacy. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe you're doing a rededication of your life, can I really encourage you to come and talk to your leaders and connect with the church? If this is not your church or you're just on the periphery and you come sometimes, don't come sometimes, and you're just thinking, oh, I don't know if this is where I belong, can I encourage you to get plugged in, to make friendships and get prayer maybe and get help? because this will be the most important thing you will ever do. I just want to pray one more prayer for those of you who are here and you are followers of Jesus Christ. You love Him, you believe Him, you, you know Him, and you've been walking with Him. Perhaps you even serve on a team in church. Maybe you even preach or lead worship. Maybe you 
are known as the person that is the Christian, and everybody knows that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. But you're here this morning that something that was said this morning perhaps spoke to you, and you just want to respond to that. Maybe it's just being convinced that God is going to be good to you personally. Maybe you're here this morning and you've got a financial need or there's sickness in your body, or you've got a family relationship that's been strained. God wants to come with His goodness and encounter you in that place. If that's you, I'd love to pray for you. Or perhaps you're here this morning and you're going, God, I've got so many barriers in my head. I know you're good. I know you're good, but I just can't make it personal to me. Make my faith personal. Make, make my life, make my faith personal. I want to feel you and know your presence. I really feel I want to pray for you and you say, all I want from today is just to feel God's presence, to know that he's near. Or perhaps you're here this morning and you've got a story of your past that's a bit broken, that's a bit painful, but you want God to use that anyway and, uh, and use you and use you to bless, bless your community. Or anything else that I've just said in my sermon that maybe you think, gosh, that hit a nerve that was really close. And I just want to pray and respond in faith. If that's you, just wherever you are, just put your hands up wherever you are. I'd just like to pray for all of you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Father God, water that will become a spring in us, that will never be quenched and that will quench all, of other all the other thirsts that we have. I pray that you will do something beautiful and something marvelous, something excellent, something fantastic, something incredible in the lives of, this, of your people, of this church. We thank you that our future is great. Thank you that our future is as bright as the promises of God. Thank you that our past does not matter, that you are able and willing today to write something beautiful in the next chapter of our lives. Thank you that this town and the surrounding villages can be changed through what you are doing in this church. We may not have the best sermons and we may not have the best strategies, but Lord, we can all tell a story of how kind and how good you've been to me. And we thank you in advance that through the power of those stories, that more people are going to be impacted by your good news. We pray for this campus and the other campus, and we pray for all of the events of the church that are coming up, the worship night, and, and Lord, everything that's going on in the life of the church. We pray, God, won't you continue to write beautiful stories so that this town too, this city too, these villages too will be wrecked by your goodness. Thank you that you are good meet every need that is in this place this morning. If there's anyone that's sick, God, I command that there be healing in their bodies, that pains will go, that healing will come, illness will disappear, that divine supernatural health will come to every person that's sick. We pray for broken and strained relationships. We pray for wisdom and reconciliation. We pray for financial needs to be met. We pray, God, that there will be great favor. Every person who's at work, we pray for the students here. We pray that you will meet their needs in their academic life. We pray for great marriages. We pray for children that they will grow up knowing Jesus. Father, we want to take a moment and pray for our leaders here. We pray for Stuart and Judith and we pray for Jacob and Nat. We commit this family to your hands. And we want to say as a church, we are so grateful for their lives. We're grateful that they're gifts that you've given us and we bless them. 
I want to thank you that, Lord, you do all things well. What a good God you are. Continue to write beautiful stories through our lives because of the power of your Spirit that you will give us and the presence of your Spirit that you will fill us with this water that will become a spring in us so that we'll never thirst again. Thank you for a fantastic morning, God.